everyone, and welcome to episode 697 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? Right. I'm good. The last episode of Longbox Heroes before the world changes mm. with Madam Web coming out, Joe. That's right. Bringing it back to 1989, people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping that... Oh, well, anyway, I don't know what I was hoping for, but I'm excited... Um, as we record this show, I will be walking out of the theater from seeing the movie. Uh, 24 hours from now, I'll be walking out of the theater seeing right. the movie. Yep. I don't know exactly when I will, but I know I will be in the next day or two. So. Yep. Yep. I don't want to spend Valentine's Day with my one true love, Madam <laughs> Webb, but, uh, <laughs> because that would be too cruel and then have to walk away, Joe. That's true. I, I've been, you know, obviously at this point... It's virtually impossible to ignore the discussion of the film and the the critiques of it and the additional scenes that are being released. And, you know, we could tell you, the listeners of the show, that there is no post-credit sequence. Right. Um, I also saw some people saying that there would be no post-credit sequels either. But um, (laughs) we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yep. Um, You know, and I was urging people, of course, you know, don't drag your feet on seeing this movie because there may not be a second week. Right. And make make all the money in the first week and no more to spend. Right. So they might as well shut it down, Joe. Shut right. it all down. Why wait why make more money? Exactly. Yes. Um but we do have a show this week. Uh is this a show? Yes. We have a lot actually to discuss uh this week. Soliciting a uh, original art book without having all the original art. A mm-hmm. uh, one shot uh, just for Todd, and a sequel <laughs> to one of my favorite stories coming out later this year. How do you lose twelve thousand copies of a book? <laughs> and if Madam Web is bringing it back to nineteen eighty nine, and I'm doing the Zandig pose, Marvel and DC are bringing it back to nineteen ninety four and six. Sure. All right, they're doing it together. Mm-hmm. It's almost uh, like it's an amalgam of things, Joe. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a Rob watch, uh, of course. We have conventions this weekend. Uh, we have discussions of what we read from this past week, which would be Pine and Merrimack number two and Traveling to Mars number 10. What we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, discussion of Todd and Joe have issues as we're going to be talking about the Villains United special number one. And uh, just some clarity in regards to the list that's been up on the uh, have issue or yeah the have issues thing. Um, our good friend Becky's walk down Lois Lane, and we're back to Lois. And uh, who knows what else is going to come up during the course of the show? Right, could be many things. Could be at least two or three other things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I mentioned uh, at the top, I did see that uh, alongside graffiti designs. DC is soliciting a Brian Boland Batman the Killing Joke um, artist edition, I guess you would call it. Right. Yeah, I think Graffiti calls them gallery editions. I'm not sure. I know of them as artist editions. Yes, but the caveat with this is um, they are going to be including some other stories. Um, So, number one, it's good to see Graffiti Designs back doing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, they say that it's the killing joke and other stories and art. 
um, reproducing original inked artboards um, that Brian Boland has, which is super cool because Brian Boland doesn't do physical art no more. He does all of his stuff digitally. Right. He doesn't even work that much anymore. I think he might be semi-retired. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything that he would do was digitally. He was one of the very first artists that I know that kind of ran digitally. And the only thing you could buy was he would occasionally do uh uh, what do you call it? He would do just sketch it out, do roughs on mm-hmm. paper, and then that would give him his idea of what he was going to do on the the tablets and stuff like that. So he could buy those. But man, getting artwork after a certain point was impossible. But that all that being said, uh, in the ad for this, it says we're still looking for original art. If mm-hmm. you have or know someone who has. Any art or scans of Brian's DC originals, please contact us. Right. So I just find it funny that, like, okay, we're soliciting this to come out in arbitrary fall of 2024. Mm-hmm. Do we have enough to put out something? No. But... If we ask the people that have bought stuff in the past that Brian doesn't have anymore, and they're generous enough to let us borrow it, maybe? Okay, see, uh, I know, I kind of know, like, the way you're thinking here, but I think it's different. I think Brian probably has a lot of the scans and stuff and, like, JPEGs of artwork that he's had over the years. Sure. But for the artist editions, like they'll be able to use those, but with the scanning ability and the resolution now, what he's asking for, and he would never ask you to send it to him. Sure. He would he would be like, I want great scans for this art book. If anybody has any killing jokes slash other pages, let us know. We can get high res scans of it so it'll print better for the art. Otherwise we'll use what we have because that's a lot of times what they've done for artist editions, just use what they had. But sometimes you can maybe even kind of see that the, 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 when they actually have the copies of the art and they can high res them, it looks a little better, less fuzzy. You know what I mean? Sure. So, that's, I think, the way they're going uh, with it. I think they'll totally have the ability to do a book. They just like to do a better book if they could. I, I just think they should have had the pages and so forth for a better book before they solicited it. Eh, that's cart horse. Who cares? <laughs> that's, Again, that's, that's the difference between me and you, right? That's putting the joke before the killing, Joe. Oh, my goodness. So speaking of which, I don't think this is funny, but uh, Jonathan Hickman is putting out a Doctor Doom one shot uh, later this spring, and it's supposed to be uh, chronicling the final days of Doom, which I don't want to think about, right. but it'll look beautiful because it's being drawn by Sanford Green. Yes, and I'm a Hickman guy in that uh, I'm, I'm not a huge uh, Jonathan Hickman like all around writer, but when he writes Doom a la Secret Wars, mm-hmm. he really had that character down. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm just actually shocked they didn't call this Doom the End. Because remember when they were doing all those The End books? Yeah. Which were technically like Hulk the End, the last Hulk story ever. 
Punisher, the end, uh, the last Punisher story ever. I thought this would be called Doom, the end, but I guess they're trying to get away from that. But it seems weird because it's a marketable name, a la Secret Wars and, you know, Civil War and stuff like that. Uh, but I am I going to buy it? Yes. Am I going to look and see what variant covers they have? Yes. When is the last time they put out one of those whomever the ends? I think it's um, been a while. I do not know off the top of my head because I wasn't getting them all. If it was a character I liked and or a writer I liked doing it, that would change things. You know what I mean? Now, my speculation as to why they're not doing it like this, because they don't want it to be part of that branding. Right. And again, it pains me to say this, but this might be the beginning of that branding that starts to move Doom into a bigger place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It will move him into a bigger house, Joe? Yes, let's just say it moved him. Mm -hmm. um, but I think by branding it as the end would give a different connotation. But if you just have something that's called Doom right. without the baggage, quote-unquote, of the end, and this comes out right around the same time that they make an announcement in regards to where Doom's place may or may not be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. It's just something that looks pretty, is going to read well, and just is very simply titled Doom. I don't need to be confused or otherwise by it, right? No, I get you. And I'll say this. You know, obviously Secret War is what it is, but I feel as though we used to get more standalone single issue uh mini series with doom as the focal point and i feel as though we don't get that so much no more well a lot of that i felt probably had to do with like them and they say they never did it was curbing fantastic four when mm. they didn't own the rights do you know what i mean yeah so uh i think maybe that might have something to do with it, but I would like to see the the age of doom, you know, become prominent again. Mm -hmm. um, more Marvel stuff. Uh, of course, you know, a couple weeks ago, they relaunched the ultimate line doing an ultimate Spider-Man again. Mm -hmm. um, eh, you know, I think that's a Hickman book, right? I believe so. Yeah. And, you know, the Ultimate Universe stuff is good, and it's a good way to tell, like, an out-of-continuity story arc, and then you kind of give some folks test-out stuff, you know, of what you can kind of filter in or mainline in or whatever. But I'm so checked out of what, like, the Ultimate branding is, and talking about Marvel branding, that not only did I not know there was an Ultimate Black Panther book, I found out that there was an Ultimate Black Panther book when uh, Penguin lost 12,000 copies of it uh, that was supposed to be shipped this past week. And same, same way I did, but go ahead. Yeah, so um, I always like to think, like, whoops-a-doodle, these things happen. Right. Um, I could see books getting... Like, if, it, if the story was 12,000 copies were damaged, I'd be like, okay, that's a gimme. Books get damaged all the time. 100 books... 200 books, 12,000 books go missing. Feels like this was an inside job. Like, how do that many, like, individual books, you know, obviously boxed up 100 books to a box or 200 books to a box or whatever it is. Like, that's like a pallet just missing. It's somewhere. No one knows where it is. Right. 
Maybe they, uh, yeah, I don't know. They probably got stolen. You know what I mean? Yeah. God only knows, but uh, I'm the same way. I knew of the ultimate Spider-Man because of like the book came out and it got all that like uh, heat and stuff like that. So, but I have no idea. You know, I, I didn't even know it was coming out. Yeah. And this is one of the, I guess the negatives of not really thumbing through the major publishers on um, the previews books, right? Yeah. And I assumed if I was still getting those, and I've been trying to cut down like the the previews that come into the house, you know, because Marvel's got one, DC's got one, then you got the big one, and I can get all that stuff online, right? Right. So I haven't been picking up the previews from the store lately. God, I, well, I have, and when I. F- flow through it like black panther isn't something that would jump out at me so Mm because he's not like a character that i read a lot um i probably just zoomed right past it went who's the writer uh not for me you know what i mean and on we go and also it's an ultimate book i wasn't getting in i you know nobody knew ultimate the ultimate like line was going to be this hot again um but i never was an ultimate line guy so you know just right off my radar yeah hopefully uh they find them uh, hopefully, like I, hopefully, there's not somebody on eBay who has twelve thousand copies of Ultimate Black Panther one for sale. Right, you go to their eBay thing, their thing, and it's like twelve thousand copies available, or like eleven hundred ninety copies available. <laughs> yeah, whatever, right? <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But um, an update to one of our earlier stories: the last, the end that they did at Marvel was Venom in 2020. Oh, okay. So it has been a little bit more recent. Yes. I mean, they were peppered in since the Hulk. The Hulk was the first one by Peter David peppered Mm -hmm. in there. But uh, Venom was the last one at 2020. Right. You know, you do the big guns. I know there was a Hulk. There was a Punisher. Like you mentioned, there was a Wolverine one. Mm -hmm. The Wolverine, the end was a miniseries. Yeah. Wasn't that when they poured him into molten adamantium? Remember that? And then he broke out. He had hot claws. Yeah. Is he Best storyline, Hot Claws Wolverine. That was forever ago. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, so something else, we talk about the Ultimate books, and I'm trying to, like, segue with all of our news here, you know? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So, <laughs> the Ultimate books, um, a writer that I think came on a lot of people's radar from the first initial run of the Ultimate books way back when, was uh, Brian Michael Bendis. And Bendis is someone that I'm always going to be a fan of. I've kind of run cold with a lot of his more recent stuff, you know? Right. Uh, Not from a lack of trying. It just, you know, hasn't been clicking for me. But they did just announce officially that they are going to be doing a print edition sequel to probably my favorite Bendis story of all time, Fortune and Glory. Um, he's been doing it serialized digitally, whatever on his Substack, but right. a print edition of it coming out later this year. And it's detailing Bendis working on Spider-Man turn off the dark. Oh my God. Yes. <sighs> I mean, that was probably the first Brian Michael Bendis book I ever read was fortunate. Somebody slid that to me. Yeah. Um, but my God, that was such a good book. And to have the sequel be about such a disaster. Yes. That's gotta be amazing. I mean, as good as Madam Web is going to be, turn off the dark. It's going to be bad. Oh my goodness. Now, again, I don't know who the publisher on it is going to be. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, whoever's going to be putting it out, you know, obviously you could pre-order it, whatever. Um, but it's something I'm super looking forward to. You know, I, I can't wait for this one to come out. This is going to be a lot of fun. I, I remember Turn Off the Dark. I still wish. That's one of the things. I, I'm i not a Broadway guy. I'm not a Leaving My House guy. I'm not a New York City guy. <laughs> You're not Broadway Joe? No, no, okay. not at all. I do like the nylons, but other than that, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when w- one of the times that April and I were in New York and they had like the coming soon stuff there, I got a picture of myself in front of the sign. Right. Um, and they never had like official, like they had a bunch of like screenings as they were testing it. Mm-hmm. But as like it was like private things, it was like whatever, but like there was never an official on sale date. But if that became a thing, I, and that would have been my first, probably first and probably last musical that I went to. Right, Broadway show, yeah. yeah. Um, that was one that I could have, you know, been easily had my arm twisted to go to. Um, and like it's like it was exactly like what were people like? Wasn't like the actors like breaking legs and stuff like that? Like they didn't have the 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 stunts down properly. I know at one point like the the curtain came up after like a like a sickening thud kind of a deal. And it's like uh, that's the end of the show, folks. Kind of a deal. I, I know you could go and read people's accounts of it who went to like multiple screenings of it mm-hmm. as they were like changing it, right? Like from showing to showing. And when they were there for like like effects not working and people getting hurt, right? Uh, but that though, and I know this has nothing to do with that. I came very close to seeing my first show on Broadway or just off Broadway at the last New York Comic Con. Um, Robert Shaw's kid, the guy who played Quint in Jaws, I guess had a play called "The Shark Is Broken." And okay. And it was like his accounts of hearing what was going on, I guess maybe his father's diary or whatever, or like talking to him. And it was like the stories that had built up and that was the behind the scenes of Jaws being made. And I was like, God, I wanted, and it got great reviews and I would have loved to seen that. And if they brought the mayor's anchor jacket along with it, I would have (laughs) stole it and took it home. They should be selling replicas of it. The shark or the jacket? The jacket. I always said there's only two people in this world I would ever cosplay at a show. And that's Mayor Vaughn in the anchor jacket from uh, the first Jaws movie and Commodore Schmidlap from the Batman 66 movie. (laughs) The only two. Please, somebody bring Commodore Schmidlap into DC continuity in the comics. From your lips to some maniac creator's ears, huh? Every time a new creator takes over Batman, I X Adam uh, and ask him if he's going to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and search uh, for all references to Commander Schmidlap to prove you correct, right? Commodore. Commodore. Put, put some respect on Schmidlap's title. Joe. Yes. <laughs> Rank and file, you know? Um, so last but not least, big story as we're hitting the press, you know, information is coming out about this is, uh, Marvel and DC are deciding to republish all of their crossovers from the past. Right. And this includes stuff going all the way back to the the seventies and eighties and nineties. But most importantly, the DC versus Marvel and the, uh, as Todd likes to call them, the Amalgam books. It's not called Amalgam? No. Right. I know it's Amalgam, but I like saying Amalgam. Now, the I, I feel as though 
a lot of the other stuff, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s stuff has been printed enough. And there's not like a huge demand for a lot of that stuff. But I definitely feel the amalgam stuff there is. Right. I mean, um, because the newer stuff, too, like you said, of the DC Marvel crossovers, that stuff was printed in such high numbers Mm -hmm. that you could still get those on eBay or comic shows or whatever for reasonable prices. Now, granted, the Treasury stuff, the Superman and Spider-Man and Batman and Hulk are a little more expensive, but I'm with you. But I don't know if they ever, after the first round of reprints, uh, uh, ever did reprints of the uh, Amalgam stuff. Okay, so... You know, the with the amalgams, there was two four issue miniseries. This is, is. Mm-hmm. you know the the DC versus uh, Marvel battle, and then there right. was all access. Yep. Uh, then there was uh, twenty four different one shots mm-hmm. um, published across. Um, I think it was. I said at the beginning of the show ninety four ninety five, but I think it was ninety six ninety seven. Right. Okay. And the way that it worked was like half were published by Marvel, half were published by DC. Mm-hmm. So when they collected them, they did them as trades, you know, two from each publisher, but they have been out of print forever, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the way that this all came about was, apparently, uh, Barry Kitson had mentioned this in a private Facebook art group, Mm -hmm. that it was an an unused thing that he did for a Batman Punisher, whatever, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he was just like, oh, I don't have many of these originals left. And, you know, word is coming out that like this. And he worked on Magneto and the Magnetic Men. So it just got people talking, right? If mm-hmm. Mary Kitson is saying like, hey, some of this stuff is coming back, got people talking. Now, some other creators that worked on this, specifically Ron Mars, said, this is great. I hope this also gets printed. But a lot of the information that's out there is wrong. Please wait for the official solicitations to come out. Okay. So it's just going to be interesting to see how and what gets collected going forward with this stuff. Now, again, I don't know if there's going to be a delineation as mentioned before, like of the seventies, eighties, nineties stuff versus the amalgam stuff. Cause I remember mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff with the amalgam stuff was rights issues. Because yeah. they were all char- they were like, as a Marvel and a DC character mashed up. Mm-hmm. So who owns what? You know who owns what, right? So that was a lot of the wrangling of a lot of that stuff. So you know, like I said, everyone's excited. I'm excited, even though I still have all my originals. You know, my my single issues of all this stuff, right? Right. Uh, this was uh, this is a fun time in comics to see Marvel and DC working together. You know, way back then before they hated each other, and mm-hmm. it was after they hated each other and before they hated each other again. Yes, Joe, I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. Yes, I never read any of the Amalgam issues. Really, not a one. I own the Generation Hex one, and I may have perused that one. But none of that interested me. I love the all access and or DC versus Marvel because it was such like such something, you know, that I never thought that I would see. I love the way they they definitely didn't rig the vote by putting characters that were definitely going to remember how they were going to vote. Like the fans got to vote and you're like, and this is the way it's going to work. And magically it worked out 50 50. 
And then, like, was it ba- uh, Batman, Captain America, the tie? I think so. It's been a, and, and it was funny because they were like, this. "We're gonna put, we're gonna pit Wolverine against Lobo, and you guys get to vote." And I'm like, even in, in you know late '90s, Lo- Lobo was on the downswing by a lot, and Wolverine was in every book. And if you like, if you looked at who was getting picked, it was guaranteed to be a 50 50 vote. And I just thought that was, was funny, but uh, I like those way better than I like the amalgams because, well, I never read any of the amalgams. I definitely think if you go back and you see a lot of the, cre- the, 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 some of them are on the nose. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very inspired, but they're all a lot of fun. I, I bet they would, but that might have been the, like, let's Todd's wallet take a break kind of mm. deal. You know what I mean? Like, I like the idea of it, but I I, I they I don't know why they just weren't for me, you know? But and, and Todd, I'll say this. I will never, and when I say never, I mean never forget the Wolverine-Lobo battle in Marvel vs. DC. Right? Wasn't that behind the bar? Okay. The two of them are colliding with each other in air. Mm-hmm. It's both of them saying some sort of snarky remark. They both land behind a bar. And then the last panel is Wolverine's hand coming up to take a stogie that's out of an ashtray. Right. That's Wolverine. the fight. Wolverine won. Gave what gave everybody what they wanted to see a fight behind closed doors <laughs> off panel. It was a nice splash page, right? Yep. It was a nice big splash of the two characters colliding in midair, and 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 when it comes down to it, is it's one of those like, and are we're gonna play who would win, Joe? There's no way, no way, Lobo who could fly through space on like you know doesn't need a spacesuit flies through suns on his space hog you know goes toe to toe with superman can regenerate himself from a drop of his own blood exactly i mean i know wolverine has an incredible uh, healing power at this point it wasn't to the point where if he got thrown into the sun he would be able to regenerate which i think did happen um wolverine would have got the floor mopped up with him you know what i mean but well, so I, I wonder if Lobo didn't mop the floor with Wolverine, ripped off his arm, and then used his arm to pick up that stogie, and we've just misinterpreted this this whole time. <laughs> that was Lobo's handy holder right there? Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I, you know what? After this, I'm going to go look over who fought who and like see who won and be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a dissertation on why people should have won and shouldn't. Without looking. Mm-hmm. I think I can remember them all. We had Batman, Captain America. Right, which was a draw. Which was a draw. Uh, we had Lobo Wolverine. Mm-hmm. We had Superboy versus Spider-Man. Okay. Right. We had Robin versus Jubilee. Yes. Was it Storm versus Thor? Or was it Uh, Superman versus Thor? No. Storm was versus another woman. Wonder Woman. Yes. Okay. Because I have the list in front of me. Does Joe know the DC versus Marvel card? (laughs) 
I can't. I don't have the jingle loaded. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> but go ahead. Where you said Storm versus Wonder Woman. Yep, Wolverine versus Lobo. You said well, Batman versus Captain America. Spider Man versus Superboy. Um, you said Robin versus Jubilee. Is that correct? Those are all correct. Okay. Um, I said uh, Superman versus Thor. Yes. No. 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 Thor did fight somebody, and Superman fought somebody. Right, but they fought two different characters. I don't know who they fought. Super Superman fought the Hulk. Okay. And Thor fought another lightning base. Shazam. Captain Marvel at the time, yes. Those are the seven? And there's also um, uh, Flash versus Quicksilver. Okay. Elektra versus Catwoman. Aquaman versus Namor. Okay, so this is the thing. So there was uh, 15 fights, I think, or seven, uh, 14 fights. Right, and only some were voted on. Right, it was the, the ones that you could vote on, I remembered, because, like, okay, okay. There were 11 fights altogether. 11, okay. Right. So you said Quicksilver, uh, Flash, you said Elektra versus Catwoman, what other ones did we, uh, Namor versus Aquaman. Right. Um, and then it says uh, Silver Surfer versus Green Lantern was one of them. Okay. But I remember they actually had an, a crossover on their own. So yeah, I'm just that... going by Wikipedia, the most trusted name in Marvel DC crossovers. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to revisit those. It'll be fun to, you know, I could go get them out of my basement and read them. But um, yeah, right. a, a fun and time in comics, I say. I wonder if, uh, if however they trade, we'll have all the trading cards too, Joe. That I a, doubt. There was a DC versus, why not? Put them in the, you know, as extra pages. There's only 100 cards. You put nine on a page, you know what I mean, with the fronts and the backs. That's only like 10 pages. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know who the, uh, you know, as we talk about on Previewing the Past, with all the different companies that were in the trading card market, I wonder if that's another licensing issue that would be a, a pickle in 2024 to deal with as well, you know? It's, it's Skybox, by the way, in case you were wondering. Okay. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. And well, what's not a pickle is the Rob Watch. So we had a big announcement from the Rob this week. And uh, this comes off the heels of the uh, Deadpool 3 trailer, of course, that Rob had a lot to do with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Todd, I'm not sure if you knew this, but between his first two appearances, Deadpool appeared in six million comics. Okay. Okay. Now, that's two single issues that have a print run of six million that's not six million appearances right it's combined right it's combined between those two issues right but deadpool wasn't the only person in that book and so on and so forth right uh but it has been announced uh an update from this past weekend on the rob's kickstarter from (laughs) 13 years ago Mm -hmm. the brigade hardcover is going to press and will be available in june all hard was that I was going to say, and that's a definite, though. Because All hardcover pledges will be sent this summer. Hardcover 170 pages and has blood strike issues that connect to Brigade. 
It also includes the Brigade Remastered Edition and Assorted Extras. Todd, mm. remember, crowdfunding isn't crowd selling. People are contributing to a fund to make something great. That takes time, but the product is always worth it. Is this a quote from the Rob? That's exactly that's what's in the update. Oh my god, I was gonna I was wondering if that was a <laughs> you know, so uh, time, that hardcover that Rob did a Kickstarter for and then a Indiegogo for 13 years ago, the trade of that is being solicited by Image to come out in June. Oh my so God. the Rob has no choice but to honor the people that gave him money 13 years ago for the hardcover of this, he actually has to come through on it. No, no, he gets to come through, Joe. He gets <laughs> to come through. <sighs> oh my goodness and i would be remiss not to mention if we're talking about the rob uh let's talk about his podcast you can go over to my uh write-up of them over on the site uh rob's recaps you mm-hmm. know right. and it's the rob talking about 90s comic book media which can only mean one thing todd hmm. that's bashing on wizard no but the Rob is at his most stut, Joe. And if you get that reference, then hacka hacka. Uh, Rob reliving the glory of 30 plus years ago, telling stories about calling up the wizard offices, threatening to beat editors up, making fun of a editorial mistake of misspelling Dan Jurgen's name. Right. In one of the same podcast, he confuses seconds and minutes. It happens. I mean, sometimes when you have a lot of energy, time seems different. <laughs> and not once, but twice, he spends a long time being very proud and laughing way too hard at his own very bad joke. Uh, all right. We've had a lot of fun at the Rob's expense. But there's nothing better than laughing at a, your own terrible joke. I wouldn't know because all mine land. But man, oh man, there's nothing better. I'll spoil one of them here. Oh, good. Uh, there is an editor uh, on or, or one of the writers on a wizard thing, right? Mm-hmm. And again, the, Rob does these podca- podcasts solo. There's no other person that he's playing off of or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentions that the writer of this wizard article named Benjamin Biggs, right? He must be Benjamin Button's best friend, right? Pause for the laughs. Repeats the joke again, mm-hmm. and then cracks himself up over it. So he's basically uh, ladling my uh, warmth, Joe. I don't like this, but no. That's great. That you really need to wait for the for the laugh. That's right. what you need to do. And I thought he was going to do like some. I thought it was actually going to be more entertaining, and he was going to do like a Biggs Darklighter joke. Mm. But no, he went for the Benjamin Button. So because people of the same first name are best friends. Yeah, all all of them know each other. Benjamins, all Bens know Bens. It's that it's that witty banter that the Rob came up with that made Deadpool the. 
the fan favorite that he is today. That's right. Did you know Ben Grimm knows Uncle Ben from the Rice? Really? Everybody, all Bens. And all Spider-Man's ben. Uncle Ben? Sadly, yes. He's They visited the grave. Let's put it that way. Oh, my goodness. Well, something that you could visit this weekend. Look at all these segues. Like a ma- just an expert, Joe. That's right. Uh, conventions this weekend. Uh, Fan Expo takes their show to Vancouver this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's a little bit of a smaller show. Not tons of uh, comic book folks. But some different names. Uh, you know, Dan Slott getting out there. Tom Grummet, aforementioned, worked on some of those uh, Amalgam books, as Todd likes to call them. Yep. Uh, Kevin McGuire is going to be there, but I think they put all their chips in on getting Bruce Campbell to show up for this convention. Oh, good. Yes. Guy's a legend. He's a, a, a comic book writer. I would bring your copies of Sergeant Rock for him to sign. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but we also, in our little neck of the woods, have a comic book convention going on this weekend. The NEPA Comic Con in beautiful downtown Scranton this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, if only no, they uh, Dixon City. Oh, it's in Dixon City? Yes, it's next to the Idle Hours Bowling Lane, that hotel. Oh, okay. Yep. Why did I think it was like in Scranton proper? I don't know. That's why it's it's like literally... Five to ten blocks from my house. So, oh, look at you, yep. Todd Dobson himself. I'm not walk. I'm not walking. That's a way uphill, Joe. I was gonna say that's that's like ten uphill blocks. Right. I wouldn't even want to do that walking downhill, Joe. <laughs> but yeah, if you're in the greater uh, Scranton, uh, Dixon City, Clark Summit area this weekend, and you want to get some bowling in, mm-hmm. uh, head over to the uh, NEPA Comic Con. Yeah, you might even run into me. Right. Hopefully uh, Todd's walking and you're driving when it happens. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, we'll put the links to those here in the show notes, uh, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows go live, of course, you could find them. Uh, on their own individual uh, podcast, you know, their own individual feeds to your podcatcher, their own individual websites. I understand podcasts are legally um, required to be on YouTube now. So that's yes. a thing. Yep. It's, uh, a, it's a federal, not a local law. Okay. Uh, but you can also find uh, them all in one place at soon-to-be-named-network.com. Um, and that includes shows such as, of course, this show, uh, Long Bucks Here's After Dark. Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Porch Talk, Hayabusi, Wings on Wings, We Need Wrestling, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, and like all the other shows that are like defunct, you can find there too. Right. Uh, But you can also check out some links to some of our other friends and the stuff that they're doing in and around the internet. Uh, Go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. Uh, go check out our friend Kevin's blog at hellionsteam.com. Uh, go check out Rick Williams, the chop shop at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. Go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, his self-published comic book over at his Indiegogo with all the accoutrements. Uh, you know, get as much or as little of the extras as you want. Uh, go check out our friend Chris Runt's self-published Battle Monsters at his website, fortressofcomicnews.com. Go check out our friend Dave of the Davey, excuse me, 
Uh, even though he's a grown man, we still call him Davey. Uh, of the band Cave People and his self-published comics over at CaveDomainComics.com. And uh, if you do not have a good comic book shop in your area or any comic book shop at all, let our comic shop be your shop. Head over to Comics on the Green. I have the Facebook page linked up in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Uh, anytime the books come in, because books coming out Tuesdays and Wednesdays now, because that's how things go. Uh, you can find out when the books have arrived, uh, whether uh, be darned. Uh, you can sign up for the uh, subscription service, get stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky on the package, who we're going to turn things over to now for her walk down Lois Lane. Welcome back to my walk down Lois Lane. Today we're going to talk about issue 80 from 1968. This is a two-parter, so I will cover 80 this week and 81 next week. This is my favorite cover. It has Lois ripping the word girlfriend off the top corner and screaming at Superman to get out of her magazine. So, what did he do? Let's dive in and find out. Lois is told to go to a hotel room for a story, but finds a surprise birthday party waiting for her. Everyone is there but Clark, because he's away covering an earthquake, but Lois doesn't care about that. Superman hasn't shown up. Jimmy, the kind soul that he is, purchased a gift for Lois and put Superman's name on it to help her bro out. It's a beautiful statue of the Justice League, and when Jimmy says it's because they all wish her happy birthday, Lois breaks down sobbing because that's the exact gift Superman gave her for Christmas. Lois stays long after the party is over, waiting for Superman to show up, but he never does, so she decides to walk home in the rain disappointed when she hears a strange noise a block away. She investigates it and finds Superman sitting in a junk heap, smashing cars into cubes instead of showing up to her birthday party. Lois absolutely loses it and begins screaming at him that saving the planet she can understand, but playing patty cake with cars, she's over it and she's over him. He offers to fly her home in the rain and she said she'd rather cruel after this humiliation and she doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. She gets home and says her parents would be disappointed at her life choices. She calls Perry and tells him that she needs to take a little break. She empties her bank account and does what every woman does after a breakup. She buys a bunch of new clothes, she packs all of her things, she tosses everything Superman has ever given her, picks a random place on a map, and starts new. She goes to a place called Coral City. It's a town full of astronauts. She sees a job application for a nurse and decides to try out. While waiting in line, she helps a boy retrieve a ball, and it turns out he's the hot doctor's son, and he hires her immediately. She has absolutely no credentials, but okay. A rocket ship crashes during a test, and a handsome astronaut is injured. Lois gives her blood to save his life. He falls for her, and they begin to date. Back in Metropolis, Superman is depressed. Saving people doesn't feel the same because Lois isn't there, and he says he misses how annoying she is. Perry sends a depressed clock on assignment to Coral City, and he runs into Lois. He begins to third-wheel himself into her dates with the astronaut guy and starts appearing as Superman to save people in the city. He goes to see Lois at the hospital and tells her she should be grateful he's here, and she yells at him that she's happy now and she's sick of his nonsense and he needs to go away. The doctor she works for is trying to rehabilitate dangerous criminals, and while trying to give them some kind of truth serum, Lois accidentally injects herself, ends up passing out, and wakes up in a hospital bed next to Superman. Superman asks her, while she's under the truth serum, if she really wants him gone, and she tells him yes. She's just too sick of how much he's hurt her. 
Superman is devastated by this news and decides to be out of her life for good, only for Lois to reveal that the truth serum was just an act, but she needs to be happy and she can't with Superman. So, next week we will cover part two. Will Lois marry astronaut guy whose name I'm not learning? Will Superman finally tell Lois he loves her? Will the hospital find out Lois has no license to practice medicine? Tune in next week for more Lois Lane. I like this one, Todd. With a cliffhanger. Yeah, two, Joe. First first ever two-parter. Two-parter. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love, and we talk about it every week, but the ridiculousness of this issue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think Becky enjoys it, but she's also numb to it. Yes. In the fact that she just says these things just as matter-of-factly of like, oh, of course Jimmy Olsen is going to cover for Superman and buy Lois Lane a replica of the Justice League uh, of America's headquarters for her birthday, not realizing that Superman had already bought her that for Christmas. Right. And then to find out that he wasn't at the birthday party because he was crushing cars in the cubes? What and, is this, Superman 3 all of a sudden? And the worst part about the crush of the cars of the cube is, in the second part, there's going to be a perfectly Silver Age explanation as to why he was doing it. Right, exactly. Um, and there, it's it's just great that she goes off on her own. And, uh, like, in the in, I hope in the second issue, because Becky teased it, that, it, like, are they going to find out that she doesn't have a license to practice medicine? And are they going to find out that she has a license to practice love, Joe? Oh, my goodness. Yep. So we'll see. So thank you very much, Becky, for, uh, you know, always submitting these and being part of the show. I think, unrelated to us, but more so uh, with what Becky is doing, Mm -hmm. that we are seeing a resurgence in certain websites promoting old romance comics. Still Longbox Heroes effect, but mostly Becky's doing. Yes, mostly her doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Where would you like to begin? I would like to start with Traveling to Mars, number 10, which was I was looking forward to, written by Mark Russell, art by Roberto Melli. Um, this is, I believe, the penultimate issue, 11, will be the end. And uh, our main character has just figured out that he has been lied to. And, you know, and the robots are asking him, the rovers and stuff are like, well, why were we sent here? And, you know, never brought back kind of a deal. And he's like... Kind of lies to him, says, I got to go regenerate. And he goes back to his spaceship and he realizes he's running out of time. And he sits down, he starts thinking about all the, you know, the decisions that got him here. And he basically is equating his life to what theirs is. And there's a lot of, uh, he also kind of, we get most of the story of what went sideways with him and his wife, Candace. And it equates it to like, uh, the, the best way to describe it is that life is kind of like the cheese in a mouse trap, And that's the running story through it. And it's like, the, like the mousetrap is, is miserable like life, but it's like the cheese or at least the, uh, the thought of cheese is what makes everything make sense. The little good things. And as he runs through that and we get the story of Candace and we find out kind of how it went wrong and why it went wrong. And I was like, oh, this is so like 
dusty onions as he's like going through some of the stuff that he's got. And it's his last moments and unearthed because he's not contacting them. They think he's dead. And, you know, it's like, well, how is that? Like, nobody even cares. And they kind of show a shot of his mother, which you know that it affects her. And I was like, this is the second to last issue. And it absolutely kicked my legs out from under me. And he has to decide what he's going to go tell the robots now, especially after the message that was kind of left for him that he gets and he reads. And it's like, will he be – because – he represents God to them because, you know, they were made by man. It's like, now is he going to go be the vengeful God or is he going to be good, the loving God with what he tells them? And I'm like, this is like, I, I, I know I keep saying it over. This is so good. This run has been so great. I think it's only been a little hamstrung because the books were late. This book was late, but it was, this issue was so good. So good. I forgot how much I love traveling to Mars. And I look forward with bated breath to the final issue, Joe. So, yeah, we're, we're doing our best to not give away, like, the end of it, I guess. Right? Um, what uh, Roy gets mm-hmm. at the end of the issue and the story that he hears, right? Right. And, you know, we, we get so much of him reminiscing on the dissolution of his marriage to Candace. Mm-hmm. And how a lot of this and how the signs were there and maybe they just chose to ignore them. And the one thing that Mark Russell, I think, captures so well in all of his writing, but mostly here, you know, because this is the most current thing that we're reading that he does, um, is those analogies mm-hmm. where he, he gets something and he takes a situation like, you know, we as we've discussed, and it's a book that's been delayed and everything else like that. Um, but where Roy and Candace's marriage, you know, their their romance and everything dis- becomes dissolved is their delay of starting a family until Roy has a job that he could support a family. Mm-hmm. And then the delay and what's caused by the delay and everything from there. But you had mentioned the analogy about the the rats and the cheese and everything else like that. And when Mark Russell takes a story like that, which is, you know, not an uncommon story, um, but he just throws, like, lines like that. And there's another line in there where he talks about, um, you know, their love and their romance and everything else was like a raging river. And then mm-hmm. the moment where the river died. And it's just like, it's simplicity upon simplicity that makes this story so complex and meaningful. Yep. And it's a story that, you know, has its roots in arguably such silliness in that, you know, we're at this point at issue 10, we are so removed from Roy volunteering to work for a fake meat company. Mm -hmm. So they could be the first ones to claim life on Mars as Earth is becoming inhabitable. Right. We are so removed from that part. (laughs) Yep. But I'm sure once we get to issue 11, it's all going to tie back together. You know what? I have no doubt that he's going to stick the landing. um, And I don't know how long we're going to have to wait, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And the quote, one of the quotes that I love too, is when he's, you know, about their relationship is that we were a miracle once. 
And that's like, like, that's such a simple phrase, but so good. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Oh my God. He's probably one of the best writers on the market right now. Yeah. And like, he's got nothing cooking as far as I know, but that's okay. He um, has, uh, do you remember that Superman space age? That's right. He's doing the Batman dark age one. Right. And I love Mark Russell, but the Superman space age wasn't for me. So I don't know how I'm doing the Batman one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm was it my favorite? I yeah. mean, we've talked him up and down like nine out of ten projects. I adore. I was like, all right, I think I may pass on the the Batman one, but I can't. You can't recommend anybody pass on traveling to Mars. Yeah, it's it's Mark Russell. It's uh, Mike Alred. I, I gotta get it right. Right. Now, You're more issue, of an Alred guy than me, so yeah. Issue eleven is alleged to be in stores on March thirteenth. Okay, that's all I'll say. Right, we'll see. Alleged. Right. But like I said, this is a story, you know, that started in November of 2022, and it's taken, you know, a year and a half to come out. And right, but that's, indep- least, that's independent comics, man. That's just how it goes sometimes, unfortunately. But I absolutely adore that it's going to be 11 issues. That's so odd and and quirky. I love it. Yeah, it's just what he needed to tell, and that's another thing that I like. About, um, you know, a, a guy like Mark Russell or a creator getting a chance to do a book at an indie where they have that much cachet where th- it's just going to be what it is, right? Mm-hmm. If it's six issues, it's six issues. If it's five issues, it's five issues. If it's 11 issues, it's what it is, right? I think when it was originally solicited, we knew it was going to have X. Like, we knew it was going to be more than six, but, like... I think he had even said, like, it could go to 12, it could go to 15. It depends on, like, how the story kind of ends up playing out. And you could definitely say it doesn't feel like it's going to be padded in any way, shape, or form. So Right. You know, we, we've said jokes before. We talked about Brian Bendis uh, before. You know, uh, there was a whole thing when he did Civil War Two, and he wrote the first issue, and then he came up with a better ending, and it just so happened that it was a better ending that needed to add two extra issues to it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that stuff feels a little, uh, maybe not honest, let's say. What? <laughs> but when you're doing an indie, self-contained, self-published, or not self-published, but self-contained, you know, personal, non-superhero, non-crossover story, I say do whatever you want, you know? Yep. Uh, so yeah, Traveling Mars 10, really good. I'm excited. Uh, fingers crossed next month for the finale. Another book that I've been enjoying, that we've been enjoying uh, in the little bit of time that it's been out, is um, Boom Studios' Pine and Merrimack Number 2, written by Kyle Starks, uh, with art by Fran Galan. And I know I'm mispronouncing that because there are definitely accent marks over a lot of the vowels in Fran's last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, shockingly, first time in several weeks that we went to... Uh, record here and there was not some sort of Hollywood news in regards to uh, Kyle Double M Starks, you know? That's right. Um, but this book is a continuation of the, the previous issue. Um, Linnea and Parker got a lead. They don't typically take missing person murder type cases. Um, but this time they do. Because uh, the girl that's missing reminds her, looks strikingly to her sister, who was the reason that she kind of got into the crime 
mystery detective business in the first place. They take a boat from the guy from the Army Surplus store, who I don't think we focused on that much, who was a fun character in the previous issue, Mm -hmm. where he's definitely a, I play both sides against each other for money. (laughs) But in this issue comes out that he's a very big conspiracy theorist type person. Right. Uh, So they decide to go to this uh, island that, you know, not a lot of people go to. Lene and Parker talk about their experiences growing up and maybe going to and not going to this island. Um, maybe they discover a lot more going on than what's meets the eye. They find out the fate of the biker gang, who they got the tip from in the previous issue. And then uh, Cliffhanger, I guess, at the end of issue two that's telegraphed in the beginning of issue two. Uh, I'm really enjoying where this story is going. Yep. <sighs> I, I I do too. I do. There's like parts of it too that I like that we get to know the characters. Obviously, um, Parker, you know, just the big, you know, the muscle, if you will. And maybe we'll get more in depth on him. You know, maybe he's more than meets the eye. But the Linnea thing, where even when someone near her mentions murder, like it affects her because she left the police force in the first issue. They announced that she, you know, murder like really affects her. So I think we're getting clues to even more about like what guided her into like, uh, like the police and then to be a detective um, with her sister's missing case. I, I think something happened with her case even more than we know. That's why she hates murder and that this whole thing going on with the missing people is all going to dovetail back into like her sister. And then on top of that, like like the upper ups who may be involved. We're starting to get a maybe reason behind all this. It's all fascinating. And when you have two main characters that are absolutely fun, it not in the danger stuff to read and are like the loving couple that they are. It's a blast. I love pine and Merrimack also. So not much more I could say. Right. If, if I have a complaint and it's not so much as a complaint, but it's just one of my nitpicks, Right. Um, you know, as we sit here and we laud Traveling to Mars, a book that's taken a year and a half to get 10 issues out, mm-hmm. where there's absolutely no way that you could just dive in with issue 10. Right. Um, I, I think uh, issue two was as issue two of Pine and Merrimack was as reader friendly as it could possibly be. I would agree. But. I wish it was a little bit more reader friendly, but it's a mini series and I get why it doesn't. And like the, you know, the boom has it out. There's a second print and I think a third print of issue one uh, on its way. So there's no reason that you wouldn't pick up issues one and issues two. I'm not picking up issues two. I read issue one. I got the characters. I understand why the waitress is mad. <laughs> and Linnea. I get it all. Right. But I just think if you just picked up issue two, which I don't know why someone would, um, you could be a little confused, and that's the only little thing, if it's a nitpick that I have, but it's like the dumbest of nitpicks of right. all. I would say, though, like looking at, I'm f- thumbing through it too, like uh, we get the explanation of what happened to the waitress, like, you know, through conversation, so it's very, like, straightforward as far as I'm concerned. So. Right. No, 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 I get what you're saying, but I could see maybe mm-hmm. um, without the context of the previous issue there could be folks that are a little like, why is gotcha. this person? Yeah, that's all. She's no big so deal. angry. She's so angry. Right. Uh, so that's what we've read from this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post 
which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead over me with one correct guess. Yes. And let me look at your list to see if I can ferret out what the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week. I'm going to rub my chin and guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Action Comics 1062. It is Action Comics 1062. Booyah. Is the book you're looking forward to most also Action Comics 1062? It is Action Comics 1062. All right. Look at that. No movement. No movement on the board. Excited for the next chapter in the Jason Aaron uh, Superman stuff. Uh, really enjoyed his take on the Sinestro, or Sinestro, the Bizarro stuff, and we right. will uh, see what comes next. You know, obviously with DC books coming out a day early, apparently there's been spoilers abound about something that happens in this issue that I have been doing everything in my power to avoid. I have completely avoided it. And I was thinking this today as we were getting, because I knew this was going to be my book that I chose for my most uh, look forward to. Um, do you think like when the Titans are done being the new JLA and we get the JLA return, Jason Aaron has to write that book, right? <sighs> like, you know how like when it went away for the longest time and we came back with Grant Morrison, it was the Magnificent Seven, kind of what everybody wanted. Like we, we're doing that again. We're getting away from the Magnificent Seven for so long and we're we're it's going to come back and it's like, to do this, it can't be, and I don't mean to insult any other writer, it can't be a middle-of-the-road guy. It's got to be somebody with cachet, and Jason Aaron is that guy. Okay. Can I see them giving it to him? Mm-hmm. Not in 2024. Um, the Jason Aaron... Okay. Is Jason Aaron going to write a book in his stint in DC mm-hmm. that has the words justice and or league and or America in the title? Right. No. Is Jason Aaron going to write the book of whatever the Justice League equivalent is going to be in the DC universe at that time? Hmm. Yes. Is it going to be, I I think it's going to be either some sort of Justice League Dark, Creature Commandos, some, or or what's the, in the the Jimmy Pistol Superman movie, isn't like the quote-unquote superhero team the authority? That's rumored to be, yeah. Okay, rumor and innuendo. So I can see Jason Aaron doing that book. Um... But I'll say I, I only say this with trepidation because I didn't love Jason Aaron's Avengers book. I, I, I get you on that, but I just feel and maybe it won't be 2024 because we're already, you know, two months in and, you know, we have the next two months solicitations. And um, Ninja Turtles is his big book for 2024. Right. But I guarantee you. When they bring back Justice League, like, because, you know, it, it, it all comes around again. It all comes around again. He will be doing 
Justice League, and it will be whether they call it Justice League or Justice League America, they're kind of getting rid of the America in it lately. He, I just feel they're going to want to do that and give him a big name artist and like launch that book with pomp and circumstance. Ike, the only other person currently at DC, and obviously somebody could be on the come up, um, you know, somebody that I'm not even thinking of, there could be a defector from mm. Marvel, there could be somebody who's doing indies right now who's hot. Right, somebody DC. coming completely out of nowhere. Kind yeah. Of. I could see before a Jason Aaron Justice League, I could see a Chip Zdarsky Justice League. <sighs> Chip Zdarsky has mostly been doing solo books, whether it be Daredevil stuff, um, Batman stuff, what have you. Mm-hmm. I could see them letting Chip take a crack at the Justice League. And as we've discussed from Batman, he has like we've seen him do three or four of the Justice League characters, and they, they were all perfect, right? As far as I was concerned, I just think I don't know. I just think Jason's. The, I love Chip, but Jason's the bigger name of the two. Okay, and of the two lately, Batman is completely confusing me. I don't understand what's going on in that book. Uh, I didn't love the. F- first issue of the joker year one stuff Mm -hmm. um and the fact that it's it's weekly this month yeah i just found that out the other day and i'm like what yeah i don't know if that was things moving up on the schedule or things getting compressed in the schedule yeah or them racing to try to get to 150 for something could be could be yeah well it looks real nice the art's real nice in it it does a little too Killing joke, three jokers going on in there for me. I don't understand, but anyway. Anyway. Um, not going to be Jeff Johns. No. I think a t- if if he could commit to a monthly book, a Tom King Justice League could be okay. Uh, you know what? I This is just me. He's had a lot of success, won a lot of awards. I honestly don't think DC will let him play in the continuity world. I see Tom King getting free range in the black label world. Okay. Like if he got a – now it would be if it was a black label book and Tom King had it, I, I – I, And I don't want to say doesn't count, but you get what my meaning is. It's like, it's got to, like, I don't ever think a black label book is going to be continuity pretty much, even though Three Jokers was. But I don't know. I just don't see them doing a black label uh, continuity uh, Justice League book. But if Uh, they did, it would be Tom King. Black label is is not continuity until it is continuity. Right. And they even said that, like, that's the way Killing Joke was. Do you know what I mean? Like, Killing Joke was, it didn't have it on it. It was an Elseworlds story until it it sold really well. It was Elseworlds before Elseworlds. That's right. That's right. Because Elseworlds doesn't become an imprint until, like, 91. Right. And that's 86, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Back then, they were called Imaginary Stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Remember well, when they te- were like, "Well, technically, all aren't all stories imaginary." But anyway, <laughs> no, I always thought these were fact. These were true stories of an alternate Earth. Don't you remember? <laughs> the written- writers were like getting the like the vibrations from Earth Prime, and they were writing <laughs> the stories. And then uh, Superboy Prime was on the message board cursing out the writers. Well, that's DC. Wasn't Marvel? Steve Rogers worked at Marvel Comics writing Captain America comic books of his exploits. 
He was draw. Remember, he was an artist back then. That's right. That's what it was. And Captain America was an artist. He was drawing Captain America comics. <laughs> God, I love comics so much, Joe. Yes, so I do crazy. Too. Uh, so hey, listen. While you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to. Uh, whether it be past uh, episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or 2024's Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are reading Gail Simone's Secret Six, and we're done with Villains United. And this is going to be the leanest Todd and Joe Have Issues that we've done to date. Pretty much. Uh, as we've discussed... This is the coda to the miniseries that we covered over the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. But there's so much other stuff going on in this. And right. sadly, very little resolution. Uh, and there will, like, spoiler alert, there will be no resolution for a lot of it coming into the next miniseries of Secret Six. Right. Because so, it just doesn't happen. It all goes off into Infinite Crisis. Yeah, so I'm ignoring... Any non-Secret Six stuff that happens in this book when we talk about it. Right. I read it. It's written by Gail Simone. It's got art by uh, Dale Eaglesham and the great Art the Bear, uh, who is uh, a Rob disciple, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get a bit in the beginning, which is a follow-up, but not conclusion to the new Royal Flush Gang with the threatening of the Warden. Right. The overall plan is that Luther Society is um, formulating a global jailbreak Mm -hmm. as cover for whatever their plan is. Not to say that a global jailbreak isn't enough of a plan itself, right? Mm -hmm. But this is them, you know, forcing their will upon all the different wardens and so forth, none of whom that we've seen uh, in any of the other books anywhere but while this is going on uh our characters uh are secret six who are only currently five right now i believe so because we lost two and we picked up one right Uh, yeah we're five we're secret five right now they are they are uh currently hiding out and getting a place to uh, a piece to eat at texas tom's authentic barbecue barn Right. What's and, the motto for that place? I'm oinking for some Texas Tom's barbecue barn. That's right. And it's a fun character moment for our five remaining characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, knockouts there. She doesn't get a ton to do, but um, <laughs> we get Ragdoll in the full cowboy getup, but <laughs> with his face all bandaged up. Um, we get uh, kind of Blake going a little bit more animalistic. We get a bit of what sort of character scandal would be in that, you know, she's this, you know, mercenary killer fighter and everything else like that. But when the waitress gets her order wrong, she won't like say that the waitress got her order wrong. Right. And I do like that. She ordered a, a salad and they brought her ribs. <laughs> right. That's like when, uh, Over and Marge go to the frying Dutchman. Yep. And, even also, the bread, and even the bread has fish in it. That's right. But also, you don't win friends with salad, Joe. So That's true. You do not win friends with salad. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, a lot of this going on is just the six trying to figure out what side they're going to end up being on. Mm-hmm. As members of the Justice League are indisposed, 
Uh, Oracle is trying to rally the troops, um, you know, because it's a global prison break going on. And if there has never been a more all hands on deck scenario, then this would be it. But as um, some of the folks are escaping, specifically uh, Scarecrow and who is the other guy that's going out with Scarecrow? Um, Dr. Faustius. No, I don't think it is it Dr. Faustius. I don't think it is. Could have sworn uh, it was. Go back. He has like a dual face sort of thing. I know who it is, and I can't think of it. But yeah, um, they when they pick him up in the helicopter, they call him Pudge. <laughs> right. I don't think it's Pudge, though. I don't think it's Pudge, but it's essentially the the six. You know, the five that are left trying to recruit these two to be part of the crew with whatever they're going to end up doing. Uh, They rebuff the offer. They get thrown out of the helicopter. And uh, the one guy with the half face thing, uh, as he is being thrown to his doom, um, he laments, um, you know, that he wanted more, more power, more women, um buildings with wings all the different things uh but the one thing that he should have done was not called the redheads chicky a slut pretty much because he gets thrown out of the helicopter yes um catman of course has the antidote to uh scarecrow's fear gas if you will uh, so they do not get their recruit but maybe we get to see who a future recruit might be where I think this is the first appearance of Black Alice. It is not, but oh, it is not. She, okay. she appeared in Birds of Prey beforehand, I believe. Gotcha, gotcha. But that's oh, go ahead. I was going to say basically though, I don't know if they're there to recruit, and it's Amos Fortune is the name of the character. Thank you. Um, and Scarecrow, they're there to get info, and this leads into Identity Crisis or uh, Infinite Crisis. They they're there to get information of where everybody's heading. And that's when uh, all the villains, the secret society and he, they give them, they're like, we're going to Gotham. So he ends up calling green arrow and says like, this is my last bit of like a cat. like my last bit of they're going, make your last stand. We want none of it. And I know we're trying to stay away from it, but I remember um, when we find out that the society now has Dr. Psycho controlling doomsday I was like, this is going to be big, and it made me want to read Infinite Crisis. But like we said, that has nothing to do with this. Um, uh, just The Secret Six are just so cool. Even if they're in only two pages of a book, Joe, they are still so good. Yeah, they definitely are cool. Um, that's why we read this. Even though it's – I don't think there was like the specials for the other villain miniseries is, is, is that were going on. Right, you mean uh, the four miniseries? There's like the OMAC one and that, you mean? Yeah, did they get all their little one-shots or no? Yes. Everyone, okay. uh, the Ranthangar War, the, I forget what the one with the magic one was called, uh, There was and the OMAC, they all got one-shots the month this came out. Right. Because I own them all. Yeah, this was the only one that I think I kept in the collection. Kept, or did you even read the other minis or whatever? Um, I think I read OMAC, because if I remember correctly, that one was by Greg Rocca, yes? Yes, it was. 
And I think Rucka might have been writing Batman or something else at the time, and that kind of all tied in. But this is just another piece of our characters written by the creative team, so we had to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was our obligation, just like we needed to make some corrections with uh, the poll post. Uh, poll post. The have issues post, right? Right. Um, so the next thing up from here on out, it's more or less straightforward. Uh, we have the first Secret Six miniseries. We'll be reading issue one next week. And then Birds of Prey, as you're listening to this, it'll be corrected. It's a trade that collects issues 104 to 112. Mm-hmm. But we're only reading issues 104, 105, 106, 107, and the first two pages of 108. What? That's crazy talk. <laughs> So, what kind of sick person would make us read two pages? Oh, my goodness. Well, it's better than the ones that don't even have the characters in them or not even written by the creative team that we've been covering. But uh, as we get there, of course, you know, there's going to be a couple of weeks as we get a little bit further on that we're going to have to double up some issues. But we're going to do that when we get to some natural crossovers a little bit later on in the run. But next week, plain, simple, straightforward, Secret Six miniseries issue one diving right back in this is going to be our main characters as we're going to uh, know and love them from here on out right should be like you said just secret six no more wacky like super tie-ins like infinite crisis and uh that's it for the show you know what ah we got to do the main we got to do the plugs we do the plugs at the end of the show uh hey click on a little store thing get shirts pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them uh, shoot me an email, ping me in the Discord, make me a deal, I'll send you something. Uh, Tea Public Sale is next week, and we'll give you a reminder then. Uh, make any and all of your eBay purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, this page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You can use this affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything on eBay and support the show at the same time. Yeah. Uh, But the most important way, the most fun way, the most rewarding way for you to support the show would be to uh, sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash longboxheroes. For as little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. One is Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. The other is Comic Book Oddities, where under normal circumstances, we look at some of the more oddball, off-the-wall, pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, TV shows, uh, made-for-TV movies, failed pilots, and so forth, uh, that have spawned from comic books over the last 40-plus years. Um, This month, on comic book oddities we'll be reviewing the smash hit sensation that's sweeping the nation madam web that's right we're getting webbed up joe that's right webheads uh rejoice webheads uh callback um madman web i don't know what the hashtag is um girls are getting it done it's a movie with a mystery which is different <laughs> right. which is also different anyway i'm gonna save all that for the show but again five dollar up folks are gonna get that stuff early everybody else is gonna get that on like a two-week rollout um whatever level you're at you're also gonna get the full scans of those preview catalogs which is a great resource uh i use it myself when i'm listening to rob observations so i can spot check some of the rob's um 
facts, let's say. You're, you're a fact checker for the Rob? Hmm, yes. Uh, I still haven't found that one month that he hangs his hat on where Extreme Studios published 22 titles and they were the number two selling family of books behind DC. Well, that might have been the month that they didn't put the top 100 in. Well, I got two and a half years at my fingertips, and I haven't found it yet. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But also at the $5 level, you're going to get After Dark two days before everyone else, uh, so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. You can go sign up for our Patreon. uh, Or Patreon. Through the Patreon, you can go sign up for our Discord. There's all sorts of discussions on all sorts of topics and all the other shows that are in the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, Reconnect with people, make friends, and uh, argue until your heart's content. Yes, sir. Now I think that's it. I do believe that's everything. All right. Now I do think I can close up episode 697 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying, we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.